Princess Rise for their Majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Stand by! Three cheers for Her Majesty the Queen! Silence the Brooklyn traffic. No, Daisy, you have to lay down. Daisy, chill, relax. (laughs) (laughs) Although I like Daisy's energy. Her little toes clacking. All right, are we ready? Quiet on the set, Daisy. (laughs) (laughs) It's that time again for Royally Obsessed. You know who this is. This is Roberta, and I'm joined by my co-host, lovely as ever, Rachel. And it's a beautiful spring day. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement in the air. We have a great episode coming up. But first, as always, if you want to write us, please do email us at info at gallerypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Rachel, what are we talking about today? Well, first, should we mention that this is our two-year anniversary of the podcast? <gasps> like, I can't really fathom that, Roberta. Happy two years. It's been such a whirlwind and such a thrill to it's do this with you. It's just really funny. When we were, like, mulling over royal history moments, I'm like, wait a second. We talked about that two, two years, years ago. It's just so incredible to me. Well, and I feel like someone pointed out, like, two years means we started in the pandemic, which means we've never actually recorded in person before, which is still pretty mind-blowing, I think. Top of my list goal. I really want that to happen. It would be incredible. Royal Refreshment IRL. Okay, what are we talking about, though? The Invictus Games. They are officially here, and there's a surprise guest. We're going to get into that. Charles and Camilla are heading to Canada. Tina Brown's book. We've been talking about it for so long, Roberta, and it has arrived. It has a release date, and it's upon us. So is the potential for a crown prequel. That news really surprised me. So we have that and so much more coming up. But what are we drinking? And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. So, Rachel, I have to tell you that I'm sipping rosé right now. And I I have an Easter cocktail if anyone wants one. Ooh. Um, it is – I looked this up. It's an Easter spritz is what I'm calling it. But it's Aperol – it's basically an Aperol spritz, but with grapefruit juice. So it's Aperol, sparkling wine, a bit of grapefruit juice, and then soda water to fill the cup and a slice of grapefruit. And it sounds delightful. Did you invent this, Roberta? I know you're like a I did not invent this. I looked, I looked this up because I already celebrated Easter on Palm Sunday, which you're obviously, that's not what you're supposed to do, but we're calling it pre-Easter or Priester, because I'm actually going out of town this weekend. So I got to celebrate with family a week early, which was lovely. But that's That's why I am fully into you're in the spirit. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's already it's already happened. I already found my basket. My parents still hide my basket (laughs) for me. Your basket. I love that. I know. I need to get my act together for Finn. And I'm just sipping some sparkling water because that's how my day is going. I'm so sorry. I'm not imbibing today. But did you have a good weekend though? I did. I had a mom's getaway oh with Anna that's my friend Anna who always listens shout out to Anna but we um yeah we did like a mom's night out and we got massages we had two dinners lots of drinks sleepover it was incredible yeah, I have a such sleepover? a great. Well, we got like a hotel room. Yeah, <laughs> I said so that so funny. Nice. Yeah, that's no, it was so nice. it was just like cathartic to sleep in late, and by late I mean like seven thirty a.m. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that sounds great though. Will you be in Brooklyn for Easter? No, we're going to Massachusetts for the week because it's spring break. Woohoo. I always think of that friend's line. Spring break. 
But we have a wonderful listener email. Karen wrote us, and we thought this was a perfect opportunity to read her note because besides shouting out Rachel for her appearance on the CNN Diana documentary, which she says, Rachel, you were by far the best royal expert. And (laughs) I totally agree. No, but that's really kind. Karen also, I love this. She made some predictions about Harry's memoir title and her credibility is that she, when before Charlotte was born, predicted her exact name, Charlotte Elizabeth Diana, in that exact order. And she says, I should have put money on it. So now we're thinking she's probably going to predict this memoir title. So her guesses are my mother's son or I am my mother's son. And it's because... Obviously, Prince Harry, two important aspects of his life, one being Diana and the other being Invictus. And the Invictus slogan is actually, I am Invictus, which is why it would be, I am my mother's son. Mm -hmm. She also suggested that it could be taken, the title could be taken from the lines of the poem Invictus by a British poet named William Ernest Henley. And I looked through that poem and two kind of phrases that stood out to me that could also work for a title for Harry's memoir are Master of My Fate or captain of my soul. So we'll see if there's an Invictus tie-in in this memoir, but Karen, we're counting on you. I feel like this letter email was like perfect for you, Roberta, because I remember you kind of led the charge on predicting finding freedom titles or even dissecting and examining that way back when, a couple years back. Mm, so I just feel right. like you're so good at this. I'd love to hear. Well, Karen's so good at this. Obviously, she got Charlotte's name right. Yeah. So I, I can't think- wait to see what Harry ends up calling it. I know. And speaking of Invictus, we now know that Megan is officially attending. Their spokesperson confirmed that this week and that there will be a quote-unquote big surprise to kick off the games. We know also that they'll have their Netflix crew with them because they're filming a documentary about Invictus. So I'm excited to see her. I can't get over, you know, if you really think about it, it's been five years since Megan and Harry hit the scene at Invictus in Toronto. And I just, all I think about is that white button down, the husband shirt. Like it, it was the shirt that made me upgrade all of my own button downs. I just, that was. Did you get the shirt? Oh no, I didn't get the husband shirt. I wanted to. I know. Or the mother jeans. I remember thinking <sighs> those jeans were just so cool. It was and such a sophisticated hands. look. Like it was a big moment. So it's really cool that it's basically almost five years later. A part of me really hopes that the big surprise is Lilibet and Archie, but I just feel like that's way too much to hope for. At it's this asking point. a lot, right? And now Better Up is involved too. That Did you see that I news? saw that. So, I saw that. Very fascinating. But we also had this kind of strange tidbit in the Daily Mail that the Sussexes might move to New York. What do you think about this? Do you think that's going to happen? I feel like there's a lot of royal scuttlebutt about them like selling their house in Montecito or getting an apartment in New York near the UN. Like there's all these headlines that keep popping up. Maybe there's truth to it. I have no idea if they're talking to different realtors or something like that. I don't know how I'd feel if they were in New York, Roberta. I feel like I'd be so distracted all the time. Maybe they just like blend in like other New Yorkers likely, but I just would be like, am I well, going to see them? Well, and to be clear, I feel like this would be a second home. Yeah, so it's not said, a permanent like, this move. This would be their yeah. Manhattan like hideaway. And the Daily Mail's only sources were that like New York rumors were circulating. So I don't yeah, know. I feel that, like it's I feel all like just little merit. Yeah, totally. But I did want to mention too that we heard from Megan in a letter to her patronage Mayhew. Her three-year term as their patron ended a couple months ago. And so Megan wrote this really sweet, heartfelt letter. Um, Part of it was about her friend, Ollie, who passed Mm -hmm. away, which was very suddenly and and really sad. And in it, she also mentions her dog, Guy. Do you remember Guy? Yes. The beagle? Yeah. He had two legs broken. 
Did you know this? This I is didn't. like a huge mystery about Meghan and Harry that when they when she first moved to London in like this really tragic accident that no one knows the circumstances around, both of his legs were or two of his legs were broken. Guy. And so he like was I guess healed. She mentions it in her letter. And so it just it it brought back this kind of weird royal mystery that nobody has solved yet and no one knows what happened so i don't know anyways just some sussex updates before we get into this week in royal history and now this week in royal history what do we have roberta we are flashing back to 1982 queen elizabeth signed the new canadian constitution act severing canada's last colonial links with britain so basically canada was independent except for being allowed to amend their own constitution so this act changed that they were then allowed to amend their own constitution without the british parliament i liked this though this is from the official government of canada website and it kind of describes the day it says it was raining on parliament hill as queen elizabeth and prime minister pierre trudeau signed the proclamation of constitution act on april 17th 1982 Marks left by the raindrops as they smudge the ink can still be seen as physical reminders of the rich history of the act. Oh, that's so poetic. We bring this up. It's a little bit I I personally feel like it's a little bit on the boring side of history for us, but we bring it up because Charles and Camilla are heading to Canada in May. And so they have a new royal tour coming up. And I Googled Charles Camilla Canada to look up more about the tour, see if there's anything else bubbling up. And the first thing that comes up is this really awkward moment where Charles and Camilla are laughing during a performance by the Intuit people and there's there's throat singing, which is a ceremonial thing that they do and they are laughing through it and the video has over 500,000 views. Not great. So here's what throat singing is, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know. which is actually like fascinating and really cool but i feel like it's really awkward because they're giggling the whole time and it's just caught on camera camilla can't stop laughing so i'm just hoping that this tour goes a little bit better was it taken out of context at least or no it was just they were really no i think they like couldn't like hold the giggles in oh roberta and I hope it goes better than the Caribbean tour. There's two that I feel like they are like setting the bar low. Princess for Anne here. is also on tour right now in Australia, and that's not getting that many headlines. It's like going, it's a shorter tour, it's three days, but it is fascinating. One of my favorite tours of all time is also the Cambridges in Canada. So remember George blowing bubbles? Yes. They had that like, and Charlotte was so little. So I do like a Canadian tour. Hopefully they handle it well. I know. And I do like Trudeau, and I feel like this will hopefully. Yeah, it'll. It, the bar is set pretty low for royal tours right at now, the present moment. So yeah. you can only go up, maybe, yes. hopefully. All right, what are we talking about today? <laughs> Tina Brown, you guys, how long have we been wondering about the publication of the Palace Papers? I think we've been talking about it for well over a year on this podcast. It is officially out April 26th. That is so soon. That's like a couple of weeks away. And there were excerpts in The Telegraph this week and an interview with Tina. As a reminder, Tina Brown wrote the Diana Chronicles, which I am currently rereading. She was friendly with Diana, apparently had lunch with her just a few weeks before she died. And 
Tina is responsible for resuscitating not only Tatler, she then moved on to Vanity Fair and The New Yorker in the 80s and 90s, and she's dubbed one of the keenest observers of the royal scene. I just kind of needed to give those credentials because I'm so just like in awe of her and her observations. But these excerpts, Roberto, I mean, they were exquisite, like just reading the detail and... I was blown away. My mouth dropped. You know, there was a lot of lot of detail. What did you think? She paints such a fascinating picture of the royals. And I think, you know, all her credentials make me like implicitly trust Tina Brown for everything. Like I feel like I I trust her opinion so much. And, you know, if if that's what Tina Brown says, it must be true is what I feel like right now. And so I think um, reading these excerpts, there were some things that stood out to me that were pretty – uh, jaw dropping. What what do we? Yeah. What, what stood no, out I to mean, you? I think for me, so there was three different articles in connection with this. There was a lot of talk about the Queen's death, and I think the way that Tina Brown describes it is she puts it so bluntly that when it happens, there will be a national nervous breakdown of yeah. the UK. But like, I mean, it will ch- ripple out into the world, and I think, you know, she references the deluge of grief that happened after Queen Victoria passed away, and that was in the pre media age. And I know, obviously, you and I dance around the fact that this will likely happen often on the show. But like, Mm -hmm. I think just seeing it written so starkly in print and really sitting with that for a moment, I was like, it will be incredibly surreal to live through this. And I'm not prepared for what it will feel like. Also that she really puts her trust in Charles. I think that Mm -hmm. she kind of says, you know, she thinks he'll make a great king and there is sort of a period of transition that Charles needs to fill before William and Kate are actually ready to take over. I liked Um, that. I thought that was really interesting. I thought that was... She called him a rollicking sorbet course. (laughs) I thought that was really funny between Elizabeth and William and the fact that we need that. not how I would describe Charles, but okay. Tina Brown says it, so it's true. But I think it it was uh, really fascinating. And you talk about like astute observations. Like we maybe need that because it will be so hard to get over the loss of Queen Elizabeth. And it also means that Charles can take heat for changes because the monarchy does need to change. It does need to evolve. And it's the pressure is on him to reinvent the monarchy versus William. I thought that was really a different perspective on this transition as we approach it, hopefully never. And it's also like he, yeah, he needs to get the ball rolling and then William can kind of step into what is now a modernizing monarchy. So Mm -hmm. she has some really interesting thoughts. I did disagree with some of the stuff about Harry and Meghan only because Mm -hmm. I feel like there's this dichotomy that always comes up about Harry that he wants privacy, but that he gives a lot of interviews. And she echoed that in one of the quotes. And I was like, eh. I feel like, you know, in the article, um, she's dubbed the monarch of magazines. And, you know, for the last 40 years, that's really she's earned that title, definitely. But she her quote is this. She says, frankly, berating the world for lack of privacy he's had. And now he can't stop giving interviews, dot, dot, dot. It's amazing. But criticizing them. And I think it fails to understand that their privacy as a family is what they're trying to protect and the interviews they give are furthering their causes. So I think that's something that I think a lot of people And it's like on their terms is the big part of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But she does say this. She says that she, you know, her inside sources, which she talked to 120 people closely connected to the principals or palace courtiers, she says relations between the two brothers right now are, quote, very bad. Brown says yeah, grimly. Yeah, that stopped I, me I'm in told my told there's absolutely nothing going on between them at the moment. 
So that's disheartening. I need like a sigh for that. I thought I thought I that s- section of the excerpt was particularly interesting because she really goes into how everyone talks about how much Harry needed William, but then she describes that it was actually a little bit more the flip side where William mm-hmm. really needed Harry because Harry was the one person in addition to Kate that could really be straight with him and could tease him, bring him down to earth. And that was such a critical part of their relationship. And I think that that's really true because who can you unconditionally trust? Like you think about in your own life, Roberta, like yeah. it's like kind of that feeling when you even see people from your childhood, like early childhood, it's like they just, oh, you yeah. go so far back that you know that they can't there's a genuine connection and they can't put on airs. Whereas these guys have been, you know, future royal king, whatever, all of that for their whole life that they have, mm-hmm. you know, really the people that they can rely, rely on for truth are pretty close knit circle like Harry. So yeah, for William, it's Kate and Harry and he's lost one of those people. So I think that that's what makes it so hard. I was struck too by some of the quotes about Epstein and Andrew because one of these excerpts kind of focuses solely on Andrew and yeah this was jaw-dropping to me like that excerpt was I mean I don't have very high thoughts about Boris Johnson but even he was embarrassed of Andrew this is a quote it says (laughs) at a lunch Boris was so appalled by Andrew's inane pitch for city improvements he commented to the chairman on the way out I'm the last person to be a Republican but fuck, if I ever have to spend another lunch like that, I soon will be. Like, Boris Johnson saying that about Andrew. Like, Yeah. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. I know. He, he's an idiot but a useful one is what Epstein thought of Andrew. Yeah, that knew how to manipulate Andrew. There was a hollowness in Andrew that he exploited that Epstein even knew about um, Tina Brown, who was in charge of the Daily Beast when some of the Epstein pieces came out, the first ones to kind of uncover they a lot of They kind of, of his... broke that, correct? They yeah, were, yeah, the Daily Beast did. And Epstein came to her office, somehow got past security and said, stop, and just kept telling her, stop. Was in her she was office. Like, how did you get in here? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and oh, this was really revealing. One more thing. Andrew had his own room at Epstein's mansion in Manhattan because he stayed there so often. It was called the Britannica Suite. Ooh. I feel like that's a big reveal because I like, I don't, ugh, ugh. It's yeah, just it's like it's bombshell all after really bombshell. Bad. It was pretty yeah. bad. I was going to say one other thing that stood out to me that I thought was really interesting and just like something that we think about a lot was how she talked about the Oprah interview a little bit where she talked about the moment that Harry really decided to give that interview and how it just, she has that perspective and, you know, we don't talk about it a lot, but every time the Royals have sat down and given an interview, like Martin Bashir, Emily Matlas with Andrew, Jonathan Dimbleby, and then Oprah, it's like, it feels like it just creates this, you know, these interviews are so powerful, but they're ultimately so destructive. And so it it's just fascinating to kind of look at that choice that was made. And I, I liked some of her comments on that. It's hard to recover from it. Yeah. I think, too, it's like it's important that we hear from them it themselves. Is. Like we always say that. And so it's like I kind of when she said, you know, how could the royals keep messing up in this way by giving these interviews to these amazing journalists? I think it's it's good that we hear from them. I don't yeah. think Harry would have done it unless he thought that the Panorama interview was a bad thing. I think he he thought his mom said her piece and he wanted to say his and that's why. And so I don't know. I was I was on the fence about her saying that. It's good to hear in those contexts. It's just like when you look at them in succession, like all of them together, I think that they all have this explosive aftermath. And so the recovery process from that Oprah interview, this was more in the context of 
the relationship with William. It's like it's yeah. it's interesting to think how you kind of even the ship after that. And and then she did have some thoughts on that as well in terms of like likely when the queen dies, that's when the reunion might take place where they really right. recognize and it's a real opportunity to hopefully bring Harry back into the fold and Charles and William hopefully see the potential of that. But that's that feels like it hinges solely on like how this memoir goes. And I just don't know if... It's yeah, like, what she said there is even will be a possibility of reconciliation after potentially so. than the Oprah interview. So yeah. Oh, anyways, I could jump all around. Everyone read it. These excerpts are just really, really fascinating, and there's a lot to unpack in them. And Roberta and I just wanted to pick some of the headlines that, some of the moments that really jumped out for us. So there's an interesting one in Vanity Fair too, which we didn't get into. But if you have time, go read it. It's about Diana and the media and the Palace Papers. <laughs> Oh, can I mention one other unrelated book drop that I saw a headline about is that Angela Kelly is re-releasing oh, yeah. The Other Side of the Coin. That's being refreshed and it comes out May 12th with this the Queen's permission. Yeah. And she's going to have new details about how Angela was the one responsible for setting and cutting the Queen's hair during lockdown. And also it will talk about life inside the royal bubble. I just feel like I want to know what Angela Kelly has to say. That book was so great before, so... It's the new edition so much and was a bestseller in 2019. And so three years later, we get a new chapter. It feels like this is such a treat. I'm so glad that this the is stack of royal so. books at my bedside table is just because <laughs> all the books <laughs> about the queen that are this? coming out and all that stuff. I'm just like every night trying to get through a few chapters of each. But I know. All right. Our next big, big news of this episode. Should we have a drum roll. I know we need some sort of like fanfare. I wish I had a horn or something. We have royally obsessed merch. So after two years of doing this podcast, Rachel and I are so, so excited to announce that there are sweatshirts and tote bags to show off your Royals obsession. They're so comfy. We like had to do this. It was something that was in bubbling inside Roberta and I for so, (laughs) so long. And we'd be like, we need this to happen. We want to wear this merchandise. And we finally got the guts to just go rogue. And we made a sweatshirt with the help of our design team that works on the podcast, sent it to our CEO, and he gave the green light. And so we are so excited that it is finally here for you guys to shop. The moral of the story is just take those chances, I guess, because... We are really excited how it turned out. There are three colors of the sweatshirt that say Royally Obsessed. There's Misty Blue, Rose, and Sand. And I am personally partial to Misty Blue, but I love all three. I got the rose. And I also love the totes. I've been carrying the God Save the Pod tote, which is one of them, to tennis every week. And I always get comments on it. And I'm so excited to give my niece, who's only two, so she'll have to wait a little while to use it. But the corgi tote, the queen's corgi, that little illustration that our design team came up with and that we've used on some of our Instagram assets. It is so, so cute. The sweatshirt's also, I feel like it's a weird time to launch sweatshirts because it's getting hot out, but it is super lightweight, yeah. but will keep you warm. So it's like the good, like, wear it to the beach kind of a thing. at the beach. Yeah, exactly. Like a windy day or something. It's perfect for spring. Perfect for those 
Diana bike shorts moments. Oh, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> Pair it with that. You want to create that look. Ideas. Yeah, the, the spring look. Um, and the totes are very large and roomy and super sturdy. And for a limited time only, there's free shipping. So what's not to love? You can shop the entire collection on shop.roilyobsessed.com. You can also, if that's too much to remember, just go to roilyobsessed.com and there'll be a button there to click to shop. But that website again to directly go to the site is shop.roilyobsessed.com you can email us at contact at roilyobsessed.com to let us know if you purchased or if you have any questions about it it's an oversized fit send us photos wearing it like we want to see it and rachel we both got our normal size and i love the fit because it actually is long enough to cover my butt and leggings which i'm really (laughs) conscious about i feel like that is like a tunic length which is really good so it's it's uh yeah it's a really high quality sweatshirt too and the wear your royal great. obsession proudly we're so excited yes. about this so we can't we're wait so to hear excited. your thoughts shop shop and shop. see pictures if you buy it set, tag us in all the photos we yes. want to see yes style it with the biker shorts all right before we adjourn the royal pod here are our highs and lows it's time for the royal highs and lows. My low is just this news that the queen is going to miss Mondi services. Charles is standing in for her, and I'm not even sure if we'll see her at the Easter Sunday service mm-hmm. at St. George's. Reminder, she's turning 96 next week, Rachel. It's next Gosh. week. Gosh. Talk know. about needing, like, fanfare, like a sound effect, horns. Yeah, it's really a yeah, big deal. and it's the first time since 1970 that she's missing this service. So over 50 years straight that she's been attending, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. The service is the one that takes place each year on Holy Thursday, and she gives out special coins. It's actually two special purses that are red and blue filled with coins to one man and one woman chosen for each year she's lived. So it'd be 90. I do like that she's kind of getting into the virtual groove of it all, though. It's kind of like a good, you know, she's still participating in her own way, but yeah, she will be missed at this. The news that she was so exhausted and um, really had a hard time with COVID was really hard to hear too this week, though, so. Yeah. Yeah. What's oh, your low? Such a low. My low is this Who Killed Lady Di drama series. Have you read about this, Roberta? It's set to I explore some conspiracy theories surrounding her death, but it's a drama. It's fiction. It's not like, it's, you know, loosely, it's based on that. And it's basically told Weird. through the lens of a British fan of Diana who starts a blog of the same name. And the head of criminal investigation division of the French police that was there when Diana was killed is involved in the script writing. It's so fascinating to me. And I think it's just a low because, you know, this is obviously the 25th anniversary of her death. And the crown feels highbrow to me. Is that a stretch? But this feels kind of lowbrow to dramatize this and really like it's stirring the pot. And there's no release date, by the way, I should add. I just, I guess I'll have to wait and see. Maybe it'll be incredible, but I'm, I feel off about it. Do we really need any more conspiracy theories that's my question yeah sure. i am curious about the casting of diana because who's gonna follow kristen stewart emma corin tough shoes elizabeth vicky elizabeth vicky speaking of my high is this crown prequel news more crown so the series which this is all kind of rumors right now but it sounds like it's happening it would start with the death of queen victoria in 1901 and would run up to where the crown began which is the wedding of queen elizabeth in 1947 I do feel like this is fascinating and I would be very, very excited to watch because I think that we 
assume that there's so much drama now about the royals, but really when you look back at history, Wallace and Edward, yeah, Edward the Seventh, who was such a womanizer. I feel like he was a big part of the Tom Quinn book we talked about last week. So I don't know. Also, period costumes. I have such a soft. Do you spot think for Claire that, Foy so. would come back if it runs up through the wedding? I don't know. I would hope that would be incredible. That would be amazing. I didn't even think about that. But they are casting Kate Middleton for the current Crown season six because it'll go till 2002 when they would be starting St. Andrews and the same year that she did the fashion show. Oh my gosh, that would be it. Like, <laughs> I'm that so that's traumatized. Yeah. I can't wait. Oh, incredible, Roberta. My high, which I totally thought was should is probably just even more your high, but it was this quote of the week <laughs> it's for totally me. My high. Camilla Parker Bowles loves Colin Firth. She was on a tour of Jane Austen's <laughs> home in the village of Chawton, and she was shown the shirt that Colin wore in the BBC's adaptation of Pride and Prejudice in 1995. It's when he comes out of the lake, he's soaking wet, he encounters mm. Elizabeth Bennet. And Camilla's remark upon seeing it was disappointed because she said, but he's not in it, meaning Colin. But Colin's not in it. That's a bit sad. <laughs> you laugh so much. That it's is like a bit sad. So I would be happy if naughty a little right and now. droll. And yeah. I just feel like we all feel the same way. So I love that Camilla had that aside. I, I sort of feel like Charles and Camilla heard me from last week say that, like, I wish I – I wish – I I know they're doing a lot, but I wish I could care and now, and now we care. That was a real great me. moment. Yeah. And now I really care because it's about Pride and Prejudice. It's like, are they listening? Because yeah, wait, can yes, I? S- I absolutely. Care I think about they were listening, them. Roberta. I, can I slide in one extra high because I just hit. This was just in my feed. That Fine, you can have two because it's been two years. Well, it's, since it's royal done. adjacent, but Bridgerton <laughs> because it's been two years. Uh, there was a note that the Calm app now has a Bridgerton nighttime story <gasps> with Anthony. What? So, and it's called he reads a love letter from an Englishman. And I don't know if you've ever listened to these bedtime stories. They're incredible. I always doze off right away. But Anthony reading one? I mean What? Are are your night plans not set? <laughs> I so I am on the last episode. I'm actually <gasps> I did a whole blitz this episode. weekend too. I have oh, two left. Finished? No, no, no. Anna? I have two left. Did you guys watch it together? No, no, no. Just by myself. <laughs> I don't think oh. she watches. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, Rachel. So you oh, so you have two left. Okay, so it's so good. It's been incredible. I have to for get me. the calm. I think Dave has the calm app. I'm gonna have to t- Some of them might phone. be free. I should have checked the details on this. Sometimes you can just get it for free, but I think you this Jonathan might be subscription Bailey. only. So Jonathan Bailey reading a nighttime yes. story that's Bridgerton themed. I don't know if it's Bridgerton themed. It's just that his wouldn't voice. make me go to sleep. That would make me <laughs> Something start else. to sweat and the excitement <laughs> my heart would, would start racing. I don't high know why of the week, section. Roberta. High of the week. Wow. Wow. All right. What a wonderful episode. Remember, go check out the Royally Obsessed merch at shop.royallyobsessed.com. And just a reminder, before we close, this is a review from Sass9394. Thank you so much for this kind review. It says, I love, love, love your show. This is a great podcast and keeps me updated on all things royal. You are my go-to for anything royal, sighting or news I've missed. Keep up the great work. Thank you so, so much. If you would like your name and review read out, please go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We would be so excited. Reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Send us an email, info at gallerypodcast.com or contact at royallyobsessed.com. New address. Woo-woo. 
until next week, God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.